You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, moving over from Score Zag Score and taking over here at Locked On. This episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. I also want to thank all of you for making this podcast your first listen of the day and remind you all that we are officially on YouTube, not for this episode, unfortunately, having some tech issues, but we are going to be back up starting next week. Search Locked on Zags on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hoping to be at over 100 subscribers before Saturday's tip against Texas. Speaking of Texas, today is a very special episode of Locked on Zags. I am joined by the host of the FN Sports and Midweek Midrange podcast, my friend and an expert on basketball throughout the state of Texas, Parker Ainsworth. How are we doing, Parker? I'm doing well. Experts are uh, interesting. Work, I'll take it. I'll take it. Andy. There you, you doing go. Okay? I'm good, man. We can, you know, we don't we don't have to pretend like we haven't been talking for 40 minutes trying to get <laughs> trying to get the <laughs> internet to work. Uh, but I'm glad we're we're getting this going. Uh, I was excited to get a chance to to get you back on the show. Obviously, I know. A lot of the content you talk about is NBA-related, and we'll talk about that in the third segment. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the Zags in the NBA. We're going to talk about some of the rookies at large, Uh, but I'm glad to get get you on, talk about the Longhorns uh, in front of what's going to be a, uh, should be a super, super exciting game on Saturday. Yeah, I'm excited about it, and uh, I'm sure we'll get into more specific Mm -hmm. breakdowns in a minute, but frankly, Texas doesn't have a lot of the big non-conference games this year. It's Mm -hmm. kind of the Zags and a neutral site game against Stanford and kind of Seton Hall if you count mm-hmm. that as a big one like there's not a lot so it's one of the good one of the ones to look forward to yeah you know it's funny because teams make these non-conference schedules years in advance in many cases uh, and obviously with COVID I think a lot of the scheduling got really out of whack but usually coaches are, are pretty good at least I know Gonzaga has been good about this of trying to time their like really big non-conference games within with when they have really really good teams and like te- this is kind of a bummer year for Texas because they have this what I think is a really loaded team. I mean, they're top five by basically every ranking system that I've seen, and not the most exciting non-conference schedule. And obviously, with the coach turnover, ton of player t- turnover, it's kind of hard to predict how things were going to shake out. But this is going to be a huge one, not just for the Longhorns, of course, before for Gonzaga too. I think uh, uh, it's tough to play such. Such a high-quality opponent, especially when it's one of your only high-quality opponent games uh, this early in the year. But I think uh, I think we're going to see a good one. Well, and, and Gonzaga knows as well as anyone the importance of a non-conference schedule. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to talk about how, like, uh, the mm-hmm. Big 12 is very strong, obviously. And so that right. will have its own peaks and valleys. But mm-hmm. so much of your non-conference schedule impacts your rankings in March. And yep. so it'll you can see, like, with only two marquee matchups, or I guess two and a half marquee mm-hmm. matchups, this Zaga game becomes really important. Yeah, it's an absolutely huge one, and I think we can we can go segment one here. I really just want to kind of 
figure out who the heck is on this Texas team. I mean, I think people who, even Gonzaga fans who are listening, who are very diehard college basketball fans, who follow the Big 12, who follow, you know, the high-profile programs, are probably looking at this team going like, okay, I recognize a few of those names, and some of those names I recognize, but not, not from being on this team. You know, the first name that jumped out to me was Christian Bishop, who played at Creighton, and Gonzaga played Creighton in the tournament last year. So I was like, okay, I know that name, but I'm not used to seeing him in orange. Um, are they, you know, we got seven newcomers on this team for Coach Chris Beard. Um, obviously, the two returners, Cordy Ramey, Andrew Jones. We're going to talk about them in a second, but uh, I'm looking at a whole long list of new guys. Is there anybody who stands out to you or people that uh, that Gonzaga fans are going to get to know pretty pretty personally after Saturday's game? Well, I mean, I hope that you get to know Marcus Carr pretty personally. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so Marcus Carr is an interesting story because Texas is actually his third school. He was mm-hmm. most recently at Minnesota, but he was actually at the University of Pitt before that. He... He's been a very talented player on some very untalented teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's, he's been successful in his own individual statistics, statistics and things like that, but Pitt and Minnesota haven't exactly had stellar programs while he was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, in Texas with Beard, they're trying to turn those kinds of things around. I mean, if, if Beard can get Texas Tech and Lubbock into an NCAA championship game, you know the goal is to do that at Texas as well. Mm-hmm. Marcus Carr... Uh, seems to be like the point guard both yeah. in all the stuff you read coming into the season the quotes from beard the quotes from himself the staff etc and then just in the houston baptist game and when he's on the floor he is orchestrating the whole deal uh so I, he's a big strong guard um and i i didn't realize he was going to use it as well i kind of mm-hmm. think of like you know, a, you know a high stats guy on bad teams i think at mm-hmm. least in my own head i was getting ready for someone flashy and finesse mm-hmm. and that was certainly not the case in marks he's a strong guy mm-hmm yeah, you know, I think uh, it, he reminds me a little bit of Rasir Bolton, who's on Gonzaga's roster this year. Bolton was a two-year starter at Iowa State and was their best player on a – he was their best player for one and a half years because there was the half season where Tyrese Halliburton got hurt. And after that, Bolton was the dude. And I kind of had similar expectations, like he's going to be a dude who shoots the rock a lot. He's, you know, he's a little bit flashier. And he's he's really not that either. And so it's kind of a, a funny similarity. I watched a few highlights of Marcus Carr and was like, oh, I can kind of see where that comes from. And Gonzaga has had players who've, thri- who've thrived in this role in the past. Ryan Woolridge was an example from North Texas, obviously, you know, a smaller program to a bigger school. But, uh, you know, it's it's a tough balance to kind of find a way to fit those guys in right away. And Carr's coming onto a team where they already have these two, you know, these two really high profile guards in Ramey and Jones, who, you know, they both averaged over 12 points per game last year. They were the two leading scorers in the Houston Baptist game. Like that's a, that's a lot of chess work you got to do to find a third, you know, guard who's been the man for multiple seasons and try to fit him into a lineup with Ramey and Jones. Do you see that being something that that might be a challenge for Coach Beard, or, or how did it look? I mean, it's hard to compare after one game against a school like Houston Baptist, but I'm curious, like, what it what it looked like, or how you think that's going to shake out for them this year? Yeah, no, I mean, if we play Houston Baptist 35 times, it'll be okay. I think the difference <laughs> is that, as, as I look at it, um, mm-hmm. what Ramey did a really good job, I thought, in the Houston Baptist game, you know, mm-hmm. as much as we're joking about it, and playing off of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, that's obviously easier to do in a game where you're a lot more comfortable. I'd assume the Zags make them a little more uncomfortable. Sure. But he, he did a better job playing off the ball than what I thought he did in the past because under Shaka Smart, there was a lot more of sharing the playmaking mm-hmm. on the offensive end. And so with Ramey being off the ball, he opened up for a couple more shots. That obviously plays into some other return, like, Chase Febris, like mm-hmm. he, he ought to be able to open up if he's running like that on the backside. 
uh, if Carr's going to orchestrate the offense. Um, Andrew Jones is, is a little bit different returner in the sense that I think everyone's just rooting for the absolute best for that guy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's it's what we're assuming is looks like his first full season fully healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, knock on wood, but he had the sure. he had a good he went through leukemia and chemotherapy and things mm-hmm. like that a few years back. And last year he played the whole season, but in a COVID weird year, he still like had moments where he looked somewhat gassed and winded. And you know, I don't know if this is the most PC way to put it. He looks like he's gained his weight back. He looks yeah. like he's back being an in shape athlete. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to see the kind of year he puts up because you know, I don't know what kind of, I didn't get to see a whole lot of that athlete. I, I, it's been yeah. a different whole time and it's great that he's back. It's one of those things where you, re- yeah, like you said, you're really just hoping that he's, you know, healthy and maintains, stays healthy. But yeah, obviously he's a super talented player. So if he's, if he's back to being in game shape and everything, he's, he's going to have a really, really good season. Um, looking at the big men, that's kind of another area I'm really curious. We'll talk a lot, a little bit more about it in the second segment and how it's going to match up with with Gonzaga and their their big men here too. But we talked about Christian Bishop, a guy that uh, you know was at Creighton last year, put up ten and three in the game against Houston Baptist. But they got some other bigs too: Trey Mitchell, Dylan Disu. Like anybody kind of out of that front court for the Longhorns who kind of stands out. They don't really have any that I saw, at least. Maybe you can correct me. Any returners in the front court that are going to play? a super significant role. So it looks like it's going to be a lot of new guys uh, down in the paint for this team. No, to be fair, the, the links from last year is all pro now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Sims, you had uh, Kai Jones, and then Greg Brown the thirds in Portland right now. I mean, three mm-hmm. guys in the league. And yeah. so they had to replace those guys. And instead of getting a bunch of young kids, they went mm-hmm. and got transfers. Mm-hmm. I was impressed. You mentioned Christian Bishop mm-hmm. uh, and Zach fans will be familiar with him. I was impressed with Trey Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, he, on a team with a bunch of guys that can score the basketball, he you don't need to draw plays for him. He's yeah. going to get, you know, eight and six or eight and seven or something like that. But it's all hustle, long arms, great defense, in passing lanes, fighting for rebounds, not necessarily blocking a lot of shots, but certainly deterring a lot of shots mm-hmm. or altering shots. And I, I guess I just had heard a lot more about Bishop coming in, and so maybe that's why I was so impressed mm-hmm. with Trey Mitchell. Um, and I just didn't see it coming quite right. He's from UMass, and mm-hmm. I don't know why UMass maybe isn't the same program in my head as Creighton, but mm-hmm. I certainly heard more about Bishop than Mitchell. I was like, oh, who's this guy? He's 6'9", mm-hmm. 240 and long. Like, mm-hmm. why, did, why, why, why did he end up at UMass in the first place? <laughs> right. Um, but, but here he is, and he, he looked great. Yeah, I, I saw a report from Three Man Weave. I was reading about Texas prior to, to us jumping on the call, and uh, they, they said that Mitchell's the kind of guy they think could start at virtually every program in the country with his just his versatility, his length, uh, and his just overall size. And so that was something I wasn't expecting either for probably the same reasons as you because uh, I you know I, hadn't, I didn't watch a lot of UMass games, hadn't seen a whole lot of him, and that's, that's what's like fun and a little bit scary about teams with a bunch of transfers. It's like, you know, every player – fits into their new team a little bit differently. So even if you watched a ton of a guy at a certain school, like he's not going to be the same player most of the time when they come somewhere new. And obviously for a team with so many new guys, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they shake out. But Mitchell's definitely a guy that uh, I think could could have a really solid year for Texas. Yeah, and, um, you know, obviously that's a lot of fun. The, the deal with Christian Bishop, I think, so Bishop did get the start, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and he, I think, is much more of a – he understands how college basketball is played. He's a fourth-year college guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, an, I want to say, undersized post, although he's 6'7", 220, so mm-hmm. undersized in the Big 12. I don't know if he would have been undersized necessarily in a, in a more mid-major conference. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit different size, right? Um, 
But I think that that all leads to he's got to be a smart basketball player. Yep. And obviously, he looks really smart against Houston Baptist. We'll, we'll see a lot more how he handles the length in Gonzaga because y'all mm-hmm. are not built like a normal <laughs> no. basketball team. Not at all. And in fact, I want to get into that. But before we do that, first of all, thanks again, Parker, for joining me. We appreciate having your expertise on the uh, Texas basketball team. We're going to talk about some of the things that I'm planning to watch for in this game, things that kind of jump out to me about specific matchups. Before we do that, though, let's talk about today's sponsor, McDonald's. This episode of Locked on Zags is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and an endless supply of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's a place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Growing up, it was the place to go for post-game celebrations, and for a while it even became a pre-game location with their delicious breakfast menu. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. I'm loving it. All right, Parker Ainsworth with us today, Midweek Midrange and FN Sports Podcast. Parker, where can people find you on Twitter? My personal stuff is all at Ainsworth512, that's P-A-I-N-S-W-R-K-H-512 on Twitter and Instagram. Um, obviously, I do the FN Sports Show and Midweek Midrange. Those are both on Twitter and Instagram as well, but I post all the stuff I'm doing all the time on Twitter. All right. You guys should check out Parker. Great stuff. A lot of NBA clips. Uh, so for those of you who are into the NBA, though, I'm sure there'll be some college clips as well. Uh, a lot of lot of fun basketball stuff. Uh, here in the second segment, I want to get into some of the specific matchup details between Mark Few's Gonzaga team and Texas with Chris Beard at the helm. Uh, the biggest thing, we were kind of touching on it at the end there in segment one, uh, Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren are huge. Like that, <laughs> they're really big dudes, uh, and not just obviously uh, big in size, which is going to be a, a factor with Texas having not a whole lot of guys over six ten, but also just you know overall talent level, physicality, uh, particularly with Timmy. Like this is this is far and away in my mind the the thing that is going to swing this game one way and another. If Texas is bigs and they got some experience, they got some dudes with some you know who've been around the block a little bit. Obviously, we talked about that with Bishop. But if these guys struggle to handle Drew Timmy down low, it, it kind of feels like that that's almost the game. You know, I don't want I don't want to just dismiss it that casually, but like Drew Timmy has beat teams in the past by being bigger and stronger than most of the players on the opposing team. And looking at this roster and having only seen them, you know, against a, against Houston Baptist in one game, that's the only game they've played together. Like, do you see? I know you've seen some of Drew Timmy. Like, do you see? this being a, a, a situation that could cause some problems for Texas. So I got to admit, uh, Drew Timmy scares me. I'm still learning more about Chet. Mm-hmm. I will say the more Chet wants to sit up, the part of Chet that makes him a bona fide pro is that he can do the stuff from the outside. Yep. I would encourage him as a Texas Longhorn fan to do all of the stuff from the outside he wants all, yeah. all, set, all day of Saturday because mm-hmm. the, the moment you get that link done by the rim, Texas could have problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, the matchup, I would say, is not necessarily – Mitchell or Bishop, actually, but the Brock Cunningham kid, who I guess is technically a sophomore, mm-hmm. although it feels like at Texas for a while now, he's only 6'5", 205, mm-hmm. uh, but he is the Mr. Hustle guy. He will take four, or attempt to take four charges. Mm-hmm. He will dive on the floor for every ball. He's 
jumping into the stands and those kinds of things. And every college team has those guys. But Brock, if Cunningham can match up with one of the bigs and spell and help out Mm -hmm. and maybe charge here and there and get a young home grant or something like that in foul trouble Mm -hmm. sliding over from the side, that could be the thing that alters the game. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily because he's big enough to do anything, but because he's a savvy, like I said, I think he's technically a sophomore, but it's really like fourth year in school after a red shirt and the COVID year and so on. Mm-hmm. I, um, I I really think that that could be a big, big win for Texas potentially. And if not, I don't know how they're going to match up the link otherwise. Yeah. I mean, what I'm curious about is, is whether Beard and, and the Longhorns want to go with a zone defense or not. We saw uh, Gonzaga's first opponent, Dixie State, they ran a lot of zone, which is not incredibly surprising. I think their tallest player overall was six foot eight. So they just didn't have any answers. Um, and Gonzaga does not have a – they're not a great outside shooting team. This has been a very off – for people listening, you will hear me talk about this every episode. Uh, their guards are are not good three-point shooters. Like Andrew Nampard's a 30% shooter. Rasir Bolton was a good shooter in his first game, but he's been a spotty three-point shooter in his career. Uh, Julian Strother, sophomore, obviously, he's he looks like he's going to be a good shooter. But that's an area of weakness for this team, one of the one of the few. And on a team, when, when you're playing a, an experienced team like Texas who has some length but doesn't have a, a lot of actual physical size, to me it makes some sense for them to try to pack in a zone, keep everybody out of the middle. Now, Gonzaga handled Dixie State's zone with extreme ease because they just threw Chet Holmgren right in the middle and just gave him the ball and just let everybody do stuff off of that. Uh, if Texas... Goes into his zone and lets Chet get the ball, you know, twelve feet away from the basket. I think they're going to have they're going to have a lot of problems. But I'm curious. Again, it's really hard to know for any if anybody has a really strong idea whether Texas is going to play a zone. It's only because they work for Texas's basketball program. Because with this new staff and new a bunch of new players, it's really hard to to take a guess. But to me, at least, that seems like a way that Texas could try to mitigate uh, Gonzaga's size. Well, the other thing about uh, Chris Beard's teams are at Texas Tech. If mm-hmm. we're going to go back and look at that, which again, different athletes and sure. different different you know schemes and stuff because of that. But he had a big emphasis on what they're calling the no no middle defense, mm-hmm. and the whole was forcing guys to out of bounds and forcing guys to the baseline, and using that as extra defender. And I don't know that that works when they're that much bigger than you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see how it works. It, it is a man principle defense. I don't know how well it would work in a zone because, mm-hmm. uh, frankly, in a zone, like you're saying, you try and pack things in. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested if they have some sort of a trapping perimeter oriented zone. It would be out of character only in what I saw Beard do at Tech because mm-hmm. uh, they were just such a gritty man to man team. So we'll see. I, I would, the basketball coach in me also would think he goes zone, but I also, like the fan in me, has watched Texas Tech defy that for a long time so i don't know what we're gonna see yeah yeah i i thought i saw a thread it was posted by uh b mary zag on twitter um he he kind of he showed some highlights of what Texas Tech used to do with Beard and, and what they did a little bit against Houston Baptist um, and and it makes sense if you if you it, which I'm assuming Chris Beard and the staff watched Gonzaga's first game and they saw that they were, they funneled the offense the way that San Antonio used to with Tim Duncan where they gave Chet Holmgren the ball and just kind of ran everything off of him if you see that and you think well we don't want them to do that then running this defense trying to keep everybody away from the middle of the courts or in middle of the key definitely makes some sense I I, I do wonder how effective it will be because I think it plays towards some of Gonzaga's strength, particularly in just moving the ball and not shooting from the outside. But, you know, I mean, you got to do, you can, <laughs> I think a straight man is going to be a challenge with, with Gonzaga's size. So I think it makes sense for them to try some new stuff. 
Well, and, and y'all just have size. I mean, Timmy's mm. got phenomenal footwork. And yeah. A different type of athlete. Right. And it's not just like you got a bunch of bruisers either. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. sell yourself short. It's, it's, sure. a, it's a massive problem. I think we win the backcourt. I think we win the shooters and the guards. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's you know, it's a classic tale of two different types of basketball teams in that sense. Yeah, and I think that's, that kind of leads really well into the next point because obviously, you know, Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, very experienced guards. Um, Marcus Carr, obviously, we talked about him in the first segment. Uh, Gonzaga's got some some depth. They got some experience in the in the backcourt with Andrew Nembhard, your three-year starter, and Rasir Bolton, we talked about him. Uh, and some of the young guys, I think, are really, really exciting. Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman, two true freshmen, uh, top 30 guys in their class, like super exciting dudes, but they're they're definitely more defensive players than offensive players right now. That will probably change, but the the way that they've impacted the game so far through the exhibition games in the first game is is mostly using their length and their kind of just overall athleticism on the defensive side. They haven't really shown up as shooters yet, and I'm I'm excited and a little nervous to see how how they look against like real college guards because they haven't faced them yet. And like (laughs) normally you would like to kind of ease in to facing some of those like experienced guards Uh, and they're not doing that. They're going right into it. (laughs) Like Ramey and and Jones are are studs in car. Like that's, that's going to be a tough matchup. And I'm curious because I think that Gonzaga does have good perimeter defense better than they've had in a very long time. And they have this good length and athleticism and they've used it to get a ton of steals and force a lot of turnovers and traps through the first couple games. I would be shocked if that is as effective against Texas as it has been in their first couple games. And I'm, I'm wondering if Texas makes it look pretty easy to break down those defenses and punish guys who overcommit defensively. Uh, yeah, it could get a little bit ugly. And I think that this is, this is going to be a really good test for Gonzaga's young guards. Well, and while well, we're all learning the names in the Texas jerseys, they're certainly not young, right? Right. And so, yeah. Uh, the the deal is that you know they they've seen freshmen and they've seen sophomores before. Mm-hmm. I guess Nembhard is neither, but the, mm-hmm. they've seen you know how to exploit a younger kid. They've been yep. in college weight programs. Um, I I think the interesting thing will be is you know part of what Beard was so great at at Tech was running a slow it down orchestrated offense. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, if you are transferring to a school like Texas at this point in your college career, a lot of these guys I would assume have professional aspirations, sure. at least internationally, right? They're mm-hmm. at least trying to score. They're not necessarily, you don't think of transfers for their last year of college as guys that are doing it for the team. And mm-hmm. I wonder how that plays out in a slowdown, like when it's, you know, not crunching time, you're at yeah. the end of the game, you know. Do I go get a basket here, or do I actually do the game plan, slow it down? It's getting to this season. Mm-hmm. Kinds of watch with Texas because of how weirdly put together the team is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they have the kind of attitudes, and they certainly haven't gotten off the impression that they have things that would mm-hmm. work against something team oriented there. But that is a concern, I think. Well, and, and yeah, and and you're finally getting to the point where where that's going to get really tested. It's easy to seem like you have a bunch of team cohesion when you're beating, uh, you know, a not so good team by forty or fifty. It's harder when you're playing a game that's probably going to go down to the wire. You know, like that's that's when, like you said, it's not crunching time. That's when you got to figure out like who's going to really be the people who step up or not. And I think for me, the biggest question about this this game, one of the biggest questions about this game, at least, is kind of 
both teams are trying to gel in very different ways. You know, Gonzaga's youth is trying to gel at the right time. Texas, it's not youth, but it's a lot of new guys trying to gel together at the same time. And whoever does it first kind of feels like they're going to have the advantage in this game. I think most of the rest of this game is very even. You know, Gonzaga's front court is big and physical and also, you know, has a lot of advantages. Texas has got this really experienced backcourt. I think there's a lot of things that are really even. They're both well coached. But if Texas is, if their cohesion as a unit doesn't look very good, that's going to be a problem. If Gonzaga's youth causes them to make a bunch of boneheaded mistakes and turn the ball over, that's going to be a problem. And for me, like, there are a lot of other nuances to this game that are going to be really fascinating, but I think it's also ultimately going to come down to which unit can play together as a team for 40 minutes better. Like, that's going to just kind of be the answer to this to this game, I think. Well, and I think the deal there is that you've got Timmy and Nimbard who mm-hmm. just played an NCAA championship game. And right. even a guy like Andrew Jones or Cordy Ramey are showing up having gotten bounced first round by Adlin Christian, right? Like, right. That that's just a little bit different experience level. Whereas obviously all these transfers come in and have a lot of individual success. We mentioned how unique Marcus Carr's career has been, mm-hmm. uh, that it just, it's just such a different dramatic new faces and new places, but it's just a together team. Yeah. Last, the last kind of note that I had the what to watch for um, is just about the rotation that a lot of this has to do with Gonzaga because it's been a really hotly contested topic uh, for the Zags this offseason is whether Mark Few, who is coaching his first game against Texas of the season after serving his suspension, whether he will have a, a bigger rotation. He's never done. He's played like he, if, if it was up to Mark Few, I think he'd play seven. Like, I think he's begrudgingly plays more than seven. He just, he loves to play a really tight rotation. And against, you know, in their exhibition games and against Dixie State, when Coach Brian Michelson was the, the head coach, like, they played 10 in the first half against Dixie State. And yes, you know, they, they brought in one of their freshman bigs when the score was 25 to six. So who knows <laughs> whether he was coming in because he was getting rotation minutes, whether he was coming in because it was a 19 point game in the first half. I don't know. I looked at Texas's box score. I watched a good chunk of this game, but I didn't really, I didn't watch it at the end. Um, you know, 12 guys played six plus minutes for the Longhorns. Eight guys had over eight points. That's a lot of depth, which is a great thing for Texas and not so good thing for Gonzaga because they have options. But I'm curious if you know, first big test of the season. If you see these these teams still stretching it out and playing as many guys as possible, because in, in the, early in the season you like to do that, but you know you don't want to put you're not as good players on the on the floor in a game that's probably going to come down to the last couple of possessions. Well, you certainly could see it more in the first half when you talk about yep. you know total minutes played. It's a little bit different question than like do you kind of roll a few dice out the first half and. You know, if, if you lose a four-minute segment of the first half, you can talk about coaches break the break the half down into five four-minute chunks. Mm-hmm. Um, if you lose a four-minute chunk, you can still have tons of time to recover. Whereas, as you put in the second half, you might have the same group out there the last 12 minutes and just call a few more timeouts. Right. Um, I, I do think it's interesting looking at Beard's time at Tech. He did go, you know, nine-ish deep. I say nine-ish because there was one year and that looks like it was probably more like eight i'm looking at minutes and mm-hmm. i'm looking at minutes just to help my memory out but i i would imagine texas with the depth they showed against houston baptist obviously baptist mm-hmm. being bad but the i would imagine they're also looking at being around nine mm-hmm. um just because if that's going to be beard's mo and that looks like they had the depth to do it the other day i don't know why it would be any different mm-hmm. but i wouldn't be surprised to see it be nine in the first half and six or seven in the second just because 
like we mentioned at the start of the show, you gotta you gotta win this game. You, yeah. you like you win this game to have some sort of a non-conference victory in your resume. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Parker and I are gonna switch gears in the third segment. We're gonna talk about some some NBA guys. We're talking about some rookies. Uh, some of you who have followed me from Scorezag Score may remember that I was on Parker's show, the midweek mid-range, and we did a God, how long were we on that call for the mock draft? Like two and a half hours, three hour show? Yeah, it was that close to three. Yeah, it was a long we our draft took as long as the actual draft. Yeah, oh, at least, at least. So we're gonna talk about a few of those guys. Obviously, there's a couple Texas alumni, a couple Gonzaga alumni. We're gonna talk about how those guys are doing uh, when we come back in the third segment. Before we get there though, let's talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever. BetOnline has a new web interface for the start of the NBA and college basketball season and features more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, Write to your favorite favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, plain and simple. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, including some all-time favorites like raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, coconut, and my personal favorite, salted caramel. Of course, Bilt Bar is not only great tasting, they are healthy too. Most Bilt Bar flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Go to BiltBar.com now and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's BiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. All right, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zag, still hanging out with Parker Ainsworth of the FN Sports Podcast and the Midweek Midrange. Uh, still talking Gonzaga, Texas, although we're switching gears a little bit. Going to focus more on the Zags in the NBA. I try to bring more content focusing on those guys who are playing at the next level. Now, of course, Gonzaga is at the point where it used to be that you only had one guy to talk about. <laughs> now there's there's so many more. Although this season it has been a bit of a bummer start uh, for the Zags. Obviously, Rui Hachimura has been out for mental health reasons stemming from the Olympics in Japan, which has been a pretty uh, sad story, for lack of a better word. Uh, Zach Collins out with an ankle injury. We just found out today in a game that you were watching, Parker, that Kelly Olynyk is going to be out for six weeks with a, I believe it was a knee injury. Is that right? Yeah, he got kind of buckled up on, caught between, uh, I guess he technically got called for an illegal screen, but he, he really just got caught in a bad spot on the floor. Mm-hmm. And he played another possession or two, and it came out of the game pretty quickly after that. So he, he thought, I think he thought he was okay because mm-hmm. he tried to play off, and very clearly when he got to the bench was not. Um, yeah. It's a shame, obviously. Uh, Houston Rocket legend Kelly Olenek. <laughs> yeah, we talked about uh, Kelly a, cu- a couple times last year because uh, he was on your squad. The Rockets obviously had that the best half season of his career. I feel pretty confident saying that, and that's not trying to disrespect him as a basketball player, but he's he's past 30 now, and I don't think that the – well, it was like eighteen and nine or whatever that he averaged when he was in a Rockets uniform, something like that. He was he was on fire. 
Uh, yeah, I thought I had down nineteen and eight, but yeah, exactly, yeah. unreal numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was so much fun. Um, but beyond the injuries, obviously, that's kind of the the depressing story. But uh, also, just some of the Gonzaga rookies have have struggled a little bit. Uh, Jalen Suggs uh, has struggled with his shot. It's kind of funny. I think a lot of people are are talking about how how bad he's been and how much he's struggling. And really, when you look at his performance, I've watched a few games. I've definitely been tracking the box scores. He's He's just struggling to make shots, which don't get me wrong, it's a pretty important part of playing basketball. I know that. But he's he's distributing the ball well. He's grabbing a lot of rebounds. It seems like he's taking good shots. He's just he's just he's just struggling to make them. And in a year where, you know, he was so highly touted, obviously, coming out of college and with that huge shot against UCLA and compared to guys like Jalen Green and Cade Cunningham and, and most mostly compared to Scotty Barnes, who got selected one spot in front of him by Toronto, a pick that uh, seemed to then pit these two guys against each other for the rest of their careers, which is never fun. I don't think that neither of them really deserve that, but um, Scotty has certainly made himself look like a dang good NBA player while Jalen hasn't quite found that shot yet. Completely, and I think what's interesting is that you kind of saw my thunder. I think the jump shot's exactly what I was going to go to, too. He's mm-hmm. got uh, four, about 43% in mm-hmm. the game against Toronto, and he had 21 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, he shot about 36% in the game at San Antonio, and he had only 12 points. Like, I love that. That's as simple as it comes down to sometimes. Get right. a good spot. And he's frankly, um, he's getting to similar spots and watching a couple of his games. I'm not going like, to act like I watched all 12 Orlando games so right. far this year. Who would and do that? Do, <laughs> right. But I did watch against Scotty Barnard. Right? That's a fun storyline, mm-hmm. like you said. And then I watched the Miami game because I'm really liking watching Miami this year. Yeah. And I. I got to say, he looked like to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because you saw way more Gonzaga basketball, but he looked like to me he's getting the same spots he did in Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. The shots just aren't falling. Yep. And to me, that's a speed thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like the NBA is such a faster game mm-hmm. that at some point he'll catch up, he'll settle in, and those things will fall down and, and he'll be fine. I'd be encouraged if I was a Gonzaga fan that he's starting every game. And I'd be encouraged if I was a Gonzaga fan that he's getting the keys to the offense, orchestrating the show. And, and those kinds of things. I think those are all good signs for his time there. He's made a lot of shots. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, yeah, the fact that he's playing 30 minutes a night, that Orlando's clearly very invested in him as a player for their future is a great sign. But I, I think you, you hit it you hit it really well talking about the athleticism and the speed of the game because Jalen Sugg, he's a good athlete. Don't get me wrong. He's a very good athlete. But he was not an elite athlete. This is not Greg Brown, you know, a guy who was who didn't have a lot of actual – you know, basketball skills outside of like freak athleticism, or even Scotty Barnes, who's obviously skilled, but part of Barnes's aesthetic was the supreme athleticism. So that speed stuff, it's a little bit easier for them. Whereas Jalen, like he's a, he's a fundamentally sound basketball player. He's got a high basketball IQ. Um, he's, you know, he's a good playmaker, all of that stuff, but the speed thing, he's going to, it's going to take some catching up and it doesn't mean that he's always going to be like an inferior athlete. I don't think he is an inferior athlete in the NBA. He's just, He's, he's just got a little bit of catching up to do. I, I maintain, I think I made a take on one of these episodes recently that he's going to average 20 per game in the second half. Uh, he's not going to finish the year at 20 per game, but in the second half of this season, he'll be up around 20 per game. And that's probably a little high, but I mean, you said it, like if he shoots 43%, like he can get there. Like there's no doubt in my mind, Orlando's going to let him shoot the ball. Uh, and that three-point shot's going to come around. He's, he's maybe not going to be great at it, but I think it's going to come around to the point where he's going to be close to a 20 points per game guy, and we're, we're going to forget about this this slow start. Maybe it's just wishful thinking, but that's kind of where I'm at with him. And I, I don't think shooting 43% on a night as a general field goal percentage, mm-hmm. just at looking at process, I don't think that's crazy to like no. think of a starting point guard that was a one-and-done kind of guy. Like, 
I, I think that's very achievable. Mm-hmm. I will say, I, uh, the, again, the Toronto game, because I was watching that to see him versus Scotty, mm-hmm. he shot him from three, right? Four of eight from three in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, weirdly, I had to look it up to be sure, but he was also four of eight in the Miami game, the other full game I saw. And I, I wonder if that's the key. Does he become some, Does he add that to his game? Because I didn't think of him as a like fit, potential 50% three-point shooter coming out of right. Gonzaga. No. <laughs> and if he... And that to his game, obviously, that helps a lot. Oh, a ton, a ton. All right, Parker, last thing before I let you go. Um, I read earlier today, I think it was Theo Lawson at the Spokesman Review, tweeted that there is a record number of scouts coming to this Gonzaga-Texas game on Saturday, more scouts in the kennel than have ever been there before, NBA scouts specifically, multiple teams that are sending more than one scout. Uh, obviously, Chet Holmgren is the primary reason. There's no doubt about that. A guy who's going to go in the top three, almost certainly in the NBA draft. Uh, there's a couple other young guys at Gonzaga who are getting some attention as potential one and dones. Although I've gone on record as saying I think both the freshman guards are going to be two and done guys because they're not even starting on this team. But I'm curious. We talked about it a little bit. Guys who transfer. Uh, Late in their college careers, rarely become NBA players. It has happened. It's not unheard of. But I'm curious if you're looking at this Texas roster, uh, if there are guys, you know, as somebody who watches a lot of NBA basketball, if there are guys you think that, you know, I don't think these scouts are only here to watch Gonzaga. If they were, there'd have been a lot more at the Dixie State game. I'm sure they're here watching some guys at Texas too. I'm curious who you think that might be. Yeah, I mean, I think the deal is people are going to see what his car looked like against real competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and can he lead a winning effort? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, a guy, we mentioned Trey Mitchell, but a guy with that long, you know, mm-hmm. I think we're going to see, can he play more of a perimeter swingman type position, right? right. Like, what's he look like against other length? Because, bluntly, the Gonzaga length looks more like pro length. And so mm-hmm. if you're trying to scout where Trey Mitchell projects, this one of Texas's two big non-conference games, mm-hmm. that's really the time he's going to have any length in front of him. Right. Um Bishop is probably the guy that has the better chance just mm-hmm. because much thicker guy he can like make up for what he lacks in height with some strength mm-hmm. uh, you know it, it'd be great for uh, uh, Jay's favorites if he you know got super hot from three because that's kind of for folks who remember Texas basketball back in the day and AJ Abrams that's kind of that's kind of the mold here is a guy that really is a strong shooter because he's a volume shooter and so um, if he were to get hot, I guess that's going to stick in some scouts' minds, right? Um, but I, I'd imagine the top guy is Carr for Texas. I imagine that's the guy that people are really paying much attention to. Um, you know, Dylan uh, Daisu is not quite healthy, I don't believe, right? Mm-hmm. So I, people act like he may be the big, um, the big prospect down the line, but I don't think he's there by the weekend. So. Yeah, yeah. One, well, I think, I mean, part of it, obviously, too, is like you know, it, as much fun as it is to see Chet Holmgren against the six foot eight center at Dixie State, it's it's going to be a lot more impactful to see how he does against you know Texas's bigs, even if Texas's bigs aren't NBA guys, and some of them might be. You know, Bishop certainly has that potential, but like just seeing these guys play again, and, and for like the guards, like if Nolan Hickman or Hunter Salas, the two freshman guards, if they go out there, and I don't think this is you know necessarily going to happen, but if they go out there and like really mess around with Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones and like make you know look really good against those guys that's going to raise a lot of eyebrows too so it's kind of like when they go out and do really well against Portland's guards eh, that's not really you know that's not telling you all that much so it's a lot of fun stuff obviously uh, for Gonzaga just to get a team like Texas in the kennel for you know a team this talented with you know this well coached it's, it's going to be I, I wish I was there man it's gonna be a really really fun basketball game on Saturday night 
the only, the only last name I'll throw in, and it escaped my mind at first, is this Devin Askew kid. And I, I guess he, he also just didn't play a whole lot in mm-hmm. the Houston Baptist game. But he foregoes his senior year of high school because they're not going to play high school basketball mm-hmm. during to go to Kentucky. And if you can imagine being a 17-year-old kid and getting coached by Calipari, like that's not yeah. – that, that, so he transfers to Texas. Um Coming out of high school, he's a pro prospect. He hadn't gotten the floor lot for Texas, or not any more than anyone else, I should say, against Houston Baptist. Mm-hmm. He looked like anyone else, you know, he didn't stick out on the floor against Houston Baptist. But generally speaking, if Kentucky's taking a kid at 17, you know, mm-hmm. they may be trying to t- check to see if he's a pro prospect mm-hmm. just because he had that kind of notoriety coming out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, he, I had him on my list too, and I forgot to bring him up because I, I wasn't sure how big of a impact he was going to have this season at Texas. But yeah, like you said, if if Cal's willing to put a kid on his roster who's seventeen, there's obviously something there. Always, always. always. Cal, Cal can find a pro. He can find pros. Absolutely, that's what he is best at. All right, uh, that is going to do it. Uh, thanks so much, Parker, for coming on, for being patient with <laughs> with the tech issues. Uh, it's always good to chat with you. I'm glad we found a found a way to make it work where you could talk about some some stuff that you're familiar with. And super excited about this game. For sure, man. It's a fun one. Uh, you know, I want to say hook them. I guess I went the wrong way to say hook them too, but <laughs> hope we have a good game. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, that is going to do it for today and this week. Of course. Big game on Saturday. Check that out. I'll be live tweeting throughout the game. Interact with me there. Send me your Mailbag Monday questions ahead of time if you want. Send me your hot takes. We'll get those out on Thursday as we've been doing for the last few weeks. We're going to be back on YouTube next week once we get the tech issues all sorted out. So you guys will be able to check me out there. You can subscribe to the channel already on YouTube. Uh, just search Locked On Zags. We're hoping to get 100 subscribers before the game. So I'd really appreciate it if you guys could take some time to do that. Also, thank you again for making the show your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen the Locked On NBA podcast. You can get all your daily NBA updates from a variety of league experts while checking in on your favorite Zags playing at the next level. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!